Hello, good evening. Welcome to the 84 Million Podcast. Uh, tonight we have a special guest with us. Uh, we found him on Twitter. Um, why Litecoin? I can't give you any other details than that, um, but I can say that he is uh, an author at markettruth.medium.com, has a history in economics, finance, and I imagine as a hobby, uh, music, or professionally perhaps. Um, and I think the idea of his account initially was to discuss Litecoin as a Bitcoin substitute. So again, uh, we have Why Litecoin with us here. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Kyle, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So we kind of chatted a little bit before we went on here just um, about kind of what brought you to Twitter or why you're interested mm -hmm. in Litecoin. Of course, we're here to discuss Litecoin. This is a Litecoin podcast. Um, but maybe we want to unpack your account a little bit. Perhaps I didn't give you justice on that introduction. Oh, no. I, yeah, I, I know I didn't give you much to work with and there's not a lot to find on the online. Um, but yeah, you, you, that's, that's a good general description, I guess, in more detail. Like I started in the crypto space, like getting really interested in like late 2016, early 2017, but kind of first heard about cryptocurrency prior to that, kind of like everyone, right. You go through like multiple cycles before you really get interested and start learning things. So like I read about it in college in like 2013, 2014, and then 20, late 2016, 2017 is where I got like heavily interested after seeing price continually go up. Um, but yeah, I, I turned my focus to Litecoin like in, I think it was in like spring of 2017 or mid 2017. Um, it's when Bitcoin blocks started to become full. And then there was like the Bitcoin uh, like block wars and block size debate. Um, and that pushed me on towards Litecoin. Originally, um, I found that there weren't very many people who really understood, um, like the Litecoin value proposition. Um, and so for a while in 2017, actually for multiple years, then after I had really struggled to meet anyone or, or, or find anyone online that was promoting Litecoin as, um, a Bitcoin substitute. So my opinion was always the same. I know originally um, Litecoin was hated on and it got a lot of negative media and attention for being basically like a Bitcoin clone or Bitcoin copycat. And so I think that's why Litecoin supporters um, steered away from that narrative. But um, to me, that was always the main, main kind of value proposition of Litecoin, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, indeed. And I just want to put a comment out to our viewers on uh, YouTube. This is our first um, interview where we don't have an actual physical moving animated individual. And that's, of course, by choice. Um, our, our guest wishes to remain uh, somewhat anonymous, but this is new for me. So bear with me um, and perhaps just just refer to the uh, audio podcast. Again, you can go to 84million.com slash podcast and find, I believe we're on 13 different channels. So if you'd prefer to listen only, I think this would be an appropriate episode to do that. Uh, but either way, I just wanted to kind of shout that out for our visual folks here. Um, this is why Litecoin's um, Twitter background, if we want to know what that is, the Bitcoin and the Litecoin, um, kind of the coin. And of course, you can find him at twitter.com slash W Litecoin. Um, Curious, just speaking about Twitter, and this is a little bit off topic, it's not my notes. And again, um, for everybody, we have kind of a general set of questions. Um, why Litecoin and I 
briefly discussed in uh, kind of an outline, but most of this will just be as it comes, an organic conversation between two individuals in the Litecoin community, and uh, we're looking forward to it. But just speaking of Twitter, um, have you seen, like you said, some folks weren't always interested in Litecoin or very few people were interested in Litecoin. Of those who were interested when you came onto Twitter or online uh, forums or platforms where Litecoin was discussed, do you still see anyone here today that was there at the time that you joined or was there a lot of turnover? That's an interesting question. And I'm trying to think right now. I know Shan um, created that master BTC LTC account like December of 2017. Okay. So I remember him. He's been the the longest kind of sheer supporter of of Litecoin that I can remember. There's also like Lotion and Charlie Lee, obviously, um, that have been around a while. There was a guy named like MLP Frank Franklin that I really liked, but I haven't seen him since like 2020. Um, but yeah, Jinji Wang I, like comes to mind. A lot of the original um, Litecoin supporters, but none of them ever, even even Charlie Lee promoted uh bitcoin as or litecoin as a bitcoin substitute so i always disagreed with almost everyone in the whole community everyone tried originally tried to market litecoin as something different and it is but to me they're very small arbitrary uh changes when in fact like the security model and most of its you know fundamental features are, are nearly identical indeed 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 um Maybe we want to discuss that. Um, hopefully it won't disturb where we're going, but again, we, we're going to take this as a dance. And uh, the idea of Litecoin as a Bitcoin substitute, why don't you just talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that and then we'll go on to my question. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so the best way I think to describe this is and, and really understand it is starting with Bitcoin. So. Like Bitcoin's unique in a lot of different ways to traditional forms of money. Like it's very different to dollars or gold or silver, the money we've we've become used to like transacting with and have a history um, to look back on. Like one, um, there's no other money in the world that has a fixed supply cap, and I think that's very well known in the entire crypto community. So Bitcoin has a supply of only 21 million that will ever be mined. Whereas gold, um, dollars, right? They don't have a finite supply. And that's very, very hyper-focused on within the crypto community, but the neglected um, difference that's that's also makes Bitcoin very unique um, is this demand side limitation as well. So even though as a fixed supply, it's also limited in demand. and the reason for that is because the more people that use Bitcoin, the more expensive it gets. And and so it's unique in that it's fixed supply, but also unique in that there's only a, a limited amount of demand before you start to price out certain transactions. Because as demand increases, the cost increases, and therefore you know lower value transactions become unfeasible to be used for for uh, purchases of Bitcoin. And some folks actually um, in the Bitcoin, pardon interrupt, some folks in the Bitcoin community actually just kind of suggested, and I forget which Twitter account, 
published this, but kind of conceded that, um, how do we say this, that that Bitcoin isn't really to be used by those that are um, maybe with less resources. You know, we used to talk about an area of buy your, buy your coffee with, with, with Bitcoin or, you know, the unbanked and, and, and uh, other than first world countries could have access to permissionless wallets mm-hmm. and finance with Bitcoin. But now that seems kind of like a, a non-fact. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, um the way this narrative will inevitably go because bitcoin transaction fees have to rise over time to maintain a certain level of security mm-hmm. um and so i think you'll see narrative shifts around the bitcoin specular community to just say oh yeah bitcoin was never intended for that we knew that all along um even though like a couple of years ago people did market it as um to be used for small transactions like everyday purchases um but that's that's why I developed this like core thesis of Litecoin being a Bitcoin substitute um, is because I knew this was inevitable. I knew that as blocks become, became full and fees rose, even despite having tools like the Lightning Network and other credit layering solutions, um, I knew that you know once the base transaction fee rises, the fees would rise up through those other layers as well. And so there was no real fundamental way to scale Bitcoin. Um, and, and so there would be a rise for for a substitute and Litecoin was just perfectly positioned um, to to fill that role um, just because one um, it has a different mining algorithm so it's not going to compete uh, with Bitcoin in terms of hash rate like the Bitcoin miners can't attack the Litecoin network and then two it was released in 2011 and so it already had established these network effects for quite a while um, and we've kind of seen, if you look at the public blockchain data over the last decade, um, every time, starting in 2017, when Bitcoin blocks first became full, every time they did, you saw an increased demand for LTC. Um, and we just recently, over the past month or so, with the rise of ordinals, saw that activity kind of explode. And again, Litecoin... Um, acted as a substitute, acted as like the off-ramp or gateway for Bitcoin transactions that got that got priced out of the Bitcoin network. Um, and what's really interesting is Litecoin transactions actually passed Bitcoins um, in the last week. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. In, to- in total number of transactions, so. Yeah, that, I saw that yeah. too. I think a lot of us did. And uh, that's definitely remarkable um, and a feat. Um, yeah, very good. Um, I know when we kind of messaged one another, we talked about mm-hmm. uh, using Litecoin as money, maybe ordinals, uh, LTC20 tokens, et cetera. And we'll get to that. Um, but what's your case on on what makes, why does it make sense? And maybe you just sort of answered that. I believe, I believe in part you did. But uh, why does it make sense to use Litecoin now versus in the past? Yeah, so in the past, you re- like, you really never had a, a real need um, outside of a few times where Bitcoin transaction fees really rose above a level that priced out a lot of transactions. Um, you, when you have a money that has greater network, network effects like Bitcoin does, um, it's more valuable. And if the cost of using it is low, it doesn't make sense to ever use an inferior money. Um, so there's never really a reason to adopt a substitute 
uh, outside of Bitcoin because just use the more secure, more um, widely accepted money. It's it's more valuable. And so you never saw this um, reason to use anything else. Um, but now, uh, just recently over the past month where Bitcoin transaction fees went to like $30, now there's a real reason to, to swap out of it and use something else. And the thing that's closest and second most secure, second most liquid, second most um, uh, widely adopted in terms of network network effects is LTC. And so it's a pretty easy sale. Um, to me, it's a lot like, and I've compared this in the past, it's like um, comparing cities uh, to, to cryptocurrencies, right? Like if you lived in New York and the rent increased by three times, um, in, in Brooklyn had been growing up and had sufficient network effects. And really the trade-off of living in Brooklyn versus New York city wasn't that big. Um, you'd see a lot of migration over to that second tier city. Um, and so that's, that's what I think is happening. You're just seeing cost rise in like the trade-off of using the, a slightly less secure network, um, makes a lot of sense for people. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And I, I would also add the fungibility aspect. Um, and we've discussed this again, you know, episode ones with with uh, David Burkett, who, who who basically wrote the code for um, the Mimblewimble extension blocks upgrade. And with that, Litecoin now has a fungible, more private layer, which it didn't before. And of course, that um, Bitcoin does not have on layer one. They have liquid solutions as a layer two, but they do not have that as a layer one. Um, so I think that's another case for Litecoin. Um, now versus in the past. And it's actually interesting. Today, we're recording this on May 18th. Um, May 19th marks the first year, um, or I should say year one has been complete with MWeb um, having launched. And uh, again, it's joined the 100% uptime that Litecoin um, offers, uh, which is pretty, pretty amazing. And I would encourage you to listen to episode one and episode five, or sorry, four. This is episode five. Uh, if you want to hear a little bit more about uh, MWeb and that upgrade and also um, how it relates to ordinals and LTC tokens and some of the congestion we're seeing um, with Bitcoin and, of course, Litecoin. So, well, very good. Um, the idea of, of Litecoin as money is a primary one. Mm -hmm. I believe that's why it was created um, as, as a clone, if you will, of, of Bitcoin. But as Charlie Lee kind of made the analogy early on, it's the silver to Bitcoin's gold. And uh, many people have mm -hmm. already conceded that Bitcoin is digital gold. And that, of course, um, refers to, uh, it's like an allusion to the metallic standard, right? The gold standard, which was never actually a gold standard. It was a, a gold standard with silver and other types of uh, lesser metals uh, in exchange as well. Um, but with Bitcoin and Litecoin being digital gold, digital silver, that also reminds us of what is money and what is money uh, and its relationship to the state. Um, did you want to go and talk about that a little bit? The separation of money and state as it... Uh, relates to Litecoin or Litecoin and Bitcoin? Yeah, I think there's a couple interesting like uh, directions to go with respect to um, the separation of money and state. I think first off, and this is probably one of my most unpopular opinions that I've had for, for years um, and, and have grown to know that just by interacting online on Twitter. And that's, um, you know, I know 
a lot of people think that eventually the state will adopt Bitcoin or or will get some sort of pro-Bitcoin members of Congress or pro-Bitcoin president in power, and then they will just vote in Bitcoin as um, like the new gold standard, but instead will just be on a, a Bitcoin standard. <clears throat> that was a very popular narrative that had been spread around within the crypto community for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, to me, I always disagreed with that concept because I think if you could vote for better money, then you wouldn't need to pay for the expensive security model that Bitcoin offers to protect itself from government. So if we could solve this solution politically, in my mind, that's a lot cheaper way to do it. And then we wouldn't even need um, Bitcoin. We could just you know, make a new political money that didn't have inflation and didn't have censorship. Um, to me, the core value proposition of Bitcoin is, is as a black market money, meaning it can protect itself from the state um, by being censorship resistant and being basically inflation proof. Um, so I know that's that's super unpopular, but to me, that's what the security of model model of Bitcoin is designed to do. And once people learn the reality of this, I think we'll see uh, quite a bit of a shift, um, like a bifurcation in the market. Um, so that's interesting. Then, I'll I'll go I'll go on that. So, and I think we're already seeing the foreshadowing of this. There's already been announcements. Um, I mean, there's the Fed now system at the Federal Reserve Bank for the Americans who are listening, um, which would be more so applicable to the United States. Um, that's not necessarily a blockchain, but they've alluded to what form it may take. And then the idea of a central bank digital currency, uh, which would be a, I would say, well, I don't want to say Bitcoin-like because I think it's probably nothing like Bitcoin, uh, but it would be a crypto, uh, purely digital. Uh, granted, our, our fiat system is already nearly 100% digital, but um, so there's already discussions about central bank cryptocurrencies, CBDCs. So you don't see Bitcoin or Litecoin as adopted by the state, you see them acting in tandem to central bank digital currencies? I see them more as like polar opposites. Like I think the governments will will try to enforce more control and go the route of central bank digital currencies because it gives them even more power beyond what they had through mm-hmm. the traditional fiat currencies. To me, the real two differences between state money and non-state money is, is really just the ability you know, to censor and control where users transact um, and then tax them. Um, those are the two main value propositions of state money to a government. Um, and, and Bitcoin, to me, is the polar opposite. It allows users um, through its uh, decentralized security model to protect themselves from the government that wants to uh, tax and, and control where they spend their money. So um, to me, I don't think they'll ever work cooperatively i think it's like socialism versus um capitalism right Mm -hmm. they they're not compatible at all they're uh, two competing ideologies that want the exact opposite um end goal Hmm. yeah i i would i would see it as that too and and i would think really the origins of of the space uh granted there's a lot of ideas and uh in the crypto space now versus when, you know, Bitcoin was launched or Litecoin was launched. Uh, I came in it through the avenue of more of a libertarian model 
and some of us remain, mm-hmm. <laughs> although you don't always mm-hmm. see it anymore in the in the casino. But yeah, the initial principle mm-hmm. was it was, as you, I think you said, the antithesis of, of uh, central money or centralized money, fiat currencies. Um, that was the antidote, really. It was it was offered as the alternative system. And here you go. Cat's out of the bag. And initially, of course, the narrative yep. was to destroy it. You know, drug money, terrorists, prostitutes, whatever, you know, evil thing you can attach to it. We will do it, meaning the state actors. And then when that was unsuccessful, then it's, well, how does how do we get, uh, how do we control it and domesticate it? And uh, I think that's still under play um, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, it is independent. Bitcoin and Litecoin are independent of the state. Now, I imagine the state could invest mm-hmm. in mining equipment <laughs> and I don't know how much money it would yeah. take. There's probably somebody who can answer that. And maybe if you know, message on Twitter or leave a comment um, how much energy and, and money it would cost to literally take over one of these networks. I don't think it would be feasible. Um, but, you know, yeah. with the resources governments have, especially the United States and its printing press, I don't know really how to answer that. Um, but as, as, of, yeah, as of this time, it's decentralized. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Exactly. To me, the, the scariest part is like the longer we stay in this white market phase where we build up these uh, legal white, uh, like public, tra- publicly traded companies that grow bigger and bigger and outcompete smaller miners. So like these major publicly traded Bitcoin mining companies, the bigger they get, I think the easier it is for the state to, to like capture Bitcoin because it's very easy for them to go to whoever's the CEO of these companies and say like, hey, we... Uh, want you to censor these transactions and like get enough uh, mining pools and mining companies to make it like just outlaw certain blacklist certain addresses mm-hmm. um, start censoring transactions so the longer we stay in this phase where we're all like speculating in the casino and investing money through like fidelity into bitcoin um, I think the bigger the risk um, to the state or basically the easier it is for the state to be able to capture that because it can it can automatically very quickly with just like enough votes outlaw um certain types of transactions or just add an inflation rule change uh into bitcoin and, and it's up to the the independent small miners to kind of yeah. overpower this um Interesting. And if it was custodied by a third party as well, you mentioned Fidelity or something mm-hmm. else. We don't typically use Fidelity as a bank, but I know that there were under the Trump administration rules near the end of that administration that was suggestive of banks being able to start custodying crypto assets. I, we haven't seen a whole lot with it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because the current environment is pretty chilling. Um, but let's say you have a Bank of America account or City or Wells or whatever major bank. And you could actually hold your Bitcoin or your Litecoin uh, or your Ethereum, whichever, um, in that account, uh, you're in the custody of another bank. And if we think of kind of the earlier um, uh, launch of Bitcoin, around that time was the issue in Cyprus, right? When people were basically getting a haircut with their bank account. Couldn't you do that (laughs) with your Bitcoin or Litecoin or crypto assets if it's in a bank account? Oh, you have over X amount. We're going to take the difference. Um, It's happened with fiat. And I think in that environment, you would no longer be operating on a private key system. And uh, they could do the same thing. Am I wrong? No, I don't. I think you're exactly right. And I think also, yeah, the the more you start pooling into these custodians, the easier it is for government to pass a law that like forces 
a fork in the Bitcoin chain and makes one chain illegal um, and, and one legal where they can basically tax the money or inflate the supply. And if you don't actually have your keys and you're not, um, you know, transacting through your own node, like um, you're not going to have any protection against that inflation. So like they can do exactly what they did with gold. Like once they took everyone's gold and nobody transacted with it, mm -hmm. they could say they have a gold standard and back it one-to-one -one with paper. But like once users stop transacting in it and they're relying on the, all these third parties, then they really don't have much protection against inflation. You're kind of trusting governments are going to be honest. Um, Interesting. Which never happens. Which doesn't so, typically happen. Yeah. I have one more thing on that. Yeah. Actually. So I think, go ahead. Okay. Um, this was something of topic a few years ago. I haven't heard as much about it now. Granted, I'm not really looking for it now either. But I want to say, was it 2021? One of the Bitcoin conferences. Um, uh, they had some folks talking, and it was in the air more at that time, about this idea of a green Bitcoin and should it trade at a premium. And that's something where I think if government was involved, we could definitely see um, the further destruction of fungibility, whatever fungibility Bitcoin has left <laughs> with KYC, not a whole lot. Um, you can only really have fungibility if it's anonymous. Um, mm -hmm. Generally speaking, there's problems with that too, but generally speaking. Um, but when you're able to mark one as a, let's say, a, a dirty Bitcoin versus a green Bitcoin, that's another mm -hmm. level of manipulation on top of this asset, which if I can go uh, the route of Satoshi, I don't think he'd be approving. No, for, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's the, that's the real risk is, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what's going to happen, though. I no. mean, um, they are going to try to apply all the same rules that they do to traditional money to Bitcoin. Once it's on these like white market legal platforms, um, there's going to be no value proposition left in the original Bitcoin. It's just going to become like state money. And the, the, the real thing that's kind of been frustrating to me amongst the crypto com community is I think a lot of the Bitcoin maximalists and just people in general don't really understand how this Bitcoin, like how people actually have to secure the Bitcoin network, like in a distributed, uh, basically anonymous way and actually have to hide from government when it does inevitably become illegal to transact dirty Bitcoin, like you're going to have to resist using um, the Bitcoin security model as it was intended. So, yeah, I don't think that's coming anytime soon, but um, eventually uh, people are going to have to learn how to use this money anonymously um, to avoid um, getting in trouble with the government if it is illegal. Um, or you're just going to lose the entire value proposition and we're going to go back to um, Bitcoin or like state money, but it's just going to be called Bitcoin, like green Bitcoin or whatever. Hmm. Interesting. So let's yeah. talk about the, the future with this kind of on our, you mentioned mm -hmm. you don't think it's going to happen now. Um, but let's talk about the last 10 years of crypto, roughly. Mm-hmm. And the next 10 years of crypto, can you describe kind of what we what we saw, where we're at now and where we're going in terms of Bitcoin or Litecoin um, and maybe more about that Litecoin as a substitute? Yeah, for sure. So the last 10 years of Bitcoin are interesting for me to think about because 
you know, it kind of started as a result of this financial crisis in 0809, um, right? Bitcoin was released right after that. Um, and it like in its, I can't remember exactly the origin, but it had something about that article of like Chancellor, Chancellor on the, on the brink, brink of bailout. bailout. The first yeah. ordinal inscription. Um, yeah, exactly. And to me, it's ironic because Bitcoin really has acted as the most risky asset um, and has been so, has benefited the most in terms of price from this easy money policy. Um, so even though Bitcoin really, really it is a solution um, to, you know, it's, it's a, that you know banking bailout crisis and inevitable sovereign debt crisis that we're heading towards it's really acted for the first really like 13 14 years of its existence as as like the the riskiest um tool for speculation um and to me eventually at some point i think and i think to be honest after this next round of bailouts, um, if we have another financial crisis, which I think is likely just because we've had such a rapid rise in interest rates mm -hmm. with such a huge level of global debt, like $300 trillion in debt globally, I think will inevitably lead to another financial crisis and a final round of QE that's way bigger than the last rounds. And so I think this next crypto cycle after maybe you know some short-term price craziness, but the next 10 years, I think are really going to be defined by people really actually having to exit the fiat system because this next round of QE is going to drive inflation to higher than, you know, double digits, 15, 20% plus. Um, and then we'll actually see like the real monetization of crypto and then a real fight between governments trying to protect their fiat money and central bank digital currencies versus people who are really being impoverished and almost like, forced to make this decision. Hey, do I want to stay a victim to this government uh, inflation problem or am I going to do something about it and try to protect myself and start these smaller closed loop, really free market economies that are, are technically illegal. Um, I know that was really quick, but that's basically how I see the transition. I see it transitioning from a huge speculative bubble where there's not really any actual monetization going on it's really just a casino to um uh it actually being monetized and then litecoin to me is going to perform really well in that scenario because once you actually see monetization of bitcoin which we haven't yet like there's not even very many transactions happening on a daily basis if you look at bitcoin compared to like worldwide uh monetary demand mm -hmm. um Fees, fees are going to go way higher than they are right now. And um, once people see that, I think uh, I think Litecoin will, will be used really as money. Um, and uh, inevitably and, and eventually, I think, will be priced like almost at a four to one ratio with, with BTC. See, that's interesting, too, because it's 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 coded to that degree, of course. <laughs> you know, 84 million. There will never be more than 84 million. Not Litecoin and 21 million Bitcoin. And granted, some of them are actually lost. I think I saw a graphic the other day saying 6 million Bitcoin are lost. And I'm curious um, what the number of Litecoin that are no longer accessible, I'm wondering what that number is. Um, interesting. So 
it doesn't sound like a very bright future, <laughs> uh, at least acutely under the conditions where inflation is so bad. Uh, we really have no other alternative than to, um, well, all of the money is bad in terms of government money. Now, maybe we can count gold, silver, and some physical assets that could function and appreciate like a Bitcoin or a Litecoin would. Um, but it doesn't sound like the brightest picture you paint. Um, so maybe two yeah. questions. What At what point would government say Bitcoin has become a gigantic problem because too many people are running to it? Granted, Litecoin, we'd throw that in. If you have a price, Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's the alternative where it's gotten so bad where there's no resources or actual um, ability for governments to, to, to stop or prevent or uh, dissuade people from the mass exodus, if, if that is indeed yeah. one of the scenarios. Yeah, I think um, on your second question... Um, I don't think we'll ever get to the point where governments just give up. To me, it's governments operate like any, almost like any business without thinking about it. Like if a business is losing substantial amount of money to competition or something, it's going to have to figure it out to survive um, and try to adapt. Um, so to me, when a government's losing significant amount of tax revenue because people are leaving their money, um, it's going to do this like, uh, kind of cost benefit analysis. Like how much does it cost us to write legislation to try to prevent this? Well, hardly anything. Um, so we'll try that first. Um, if we can recapture a lot of tax revenue <clears throat> by just writing a law that says it's illegal. And then if that doesn't work, then they'll start spending resources on trying to capture mining outfits, you know, perform 51% of tax. Um, but I don't think they'll ever just give up. Um, because that seems like uh, they just die on purpose, which I've never seen a government in history try to like just rescind its power um, willingly. It takes like revolution for people actually, you know, trying to fight the government, risking their lives. Um, but I've never seen in history a government willingly just surrender its its power. Mm -hmm. um, and I forgot what was your first first part of the question well if and that's interesting i want to jump on that too but for the sake of helping mm -hmm. you answer my first question and not rabbit trailing further uh is there a price point where bitcoin becomes a problem for for government yeah in, in other words it's a hundred thousand dollars or you know the the million that was thrown around a few years ago where is it where it becomes a significant like we can't we can't stop this in terms of adoption and people price. dogpiling it Mm -hmm. I don't think they care about price. I think they care about losing tax revenue. So like nobody's using Bitcoin to like evade taxation of the money. People are still only transacting with dollars. Hardly anyone's transacting with Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think you haven't really seen any major attempts from governments to stop it. Like you've seen them kind of become concerned even with minimal usage of Bitcoin. Um, so to me, I don't think they really care about the price. They're still making a ton of money off of capital gains taxes. And they're not losing hardly any uh, ability to tax through the money. It's not like the dollar is losing a ton of value against Bitcoin, realistically, right? Because people are still mainly transacting in dollars. Still like 80% of the world trade is done in dollars. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, people are buying and trading it, but that's not hindering. That's 
it's actually probably increasing government revenue rather than taking anything away from from them. Um, so I think they're fine until it starts to to do exactly that. As soon as they start losing money um, and losing their ability to tax, then they'll care. And then I think the first step of a course of action for them is just to write laws because it's free. They just have to sign papers. <laughs> um, and then if that doesn't dissuade people and people still opt out and they're still losing money, then they'll, you'll have this like war of attrition where they start taxing um, to fund their own mining operations to try to stop people from using it. So they can start censoring transactions um, up until the point where like black market miners step in and, and fees rise enough to mine those, those censored transactions. Um, but, but yeah, I think that's the inevitable step. Like step one is just passing laws to ban it. And then step two is, okay, we're still losing a lot of money. We need to start mining. Do you think, um, do you think at any point they'd, they'd incentivize the, uh, voluntary, um, giving away a Bitcoin with a, let's say a CBDC or government issued uh, digital currency peg. Like here, you will be rewarded with this if you surrender your Bitcoin. And yeah, I think they probably, it would we've be in seen government it. Custard, we've custody. Seen that, yeah, ahead. we've seen that happen with the, the gold standard. That's exactly what happened. So we have historical precedent. Yeah, I'm sure they would try that. Hey, like we're outlawing use of gold, turn it in, we'll pay you this amount. Um. And then, like we were talking about earlier, once they have most of the Bitcoin in custody, then they can fork Bitcoin and make the other, like the actual um, one that is is inflation resistant, illegal. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely see them, they could do that. And I think that's why the gold standard failed because once you give up your money and stop transacting with it and you just accept the, the government paper that's supposed to be backed by it, then you've just lost the the battle. I think that's why gold failed. Yet silver um, persisted the, legally 30 years after the gold was confiscated by government. So maybe okay. Litecoin has an extra uh, 30 years to go <laughs> if all things yeah, were maybe. created. Yeah, maybe. No, that, that was For just sure. I, I think though, yeah. I think though that, that Bitcoin and Litecoin can succeed where gold failed. Mm -hmm. Gold failed because it, like one you can't transact it you know like you have to transact locally it's very expensive to trans transact in in terms of like verifying the the um quantity and quality of the gold right so like i say gold it's pretty expensive um it's just really difficult to do but with bitcoin and like when you can just run a node you can verify the quantity and quality of your money for like free um and you can send it um natively digitally and there's you know, it's invisible, really, like it doesn't have to be stored physically. So it's harder for governments to um, find if you have it and you take care of your privacy. Mm -hmm. um, the one, the hardest hurdle is going to be the, the privacy component um, of these chains. We need way better privacy solutions or else it's, I don't know, I think governments could win again this mm -hmm. battle over money like they did with gold. So in this um, situation where government is cracking down on, on use, let's say we've had the exchange of you take your CBDC, we take your, your Bitcoin, then a lot of the Bitcoin is sequestered under the civil authority of the jurisdiction. Um, then you can see where's the activity going. They can clearly see <laughs> the activity of their own versus all the others that are outside of their purview. Um, 
it would be really hard to police this. Granted, there there is, um, uh, well, how do I say it? There's been chain analysis for a long time, and obviously, government has a significant amount of resources. Um, but still, practically speaking, stopping a decentralized technology like this would be very challenging, uh, and it would also assume that you have to have a gigantic force willing to carry it, this out. And even in the United States, we are still decentralized, right? We have we have 50 states and of the states, there's counties and cities and all sorts of jurisdictions because you have to police IP addresses, um, shut down nodes probably through that mechanism. It would be very complex and it would get down to the individual. So that would take a lot of energy, resource and time to successfully do that. Um, so it's a gigantic undertaking, hopefully one that would be incapable of uh, ever materializing. Um, but this is a consideration we can we can think of um, maybe not the brightest yeah. consideration, but a consideration of a possible outcome. No, for sure. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people didn't turn in their gold when they banned it, and they didn't get in trouble for it. And I'm sure a lot of people still transacted. But I think if you scare the population enough, um, and you make the punishments extremely high, uh, there, it's. Uh, I don't know. I just think I I don't know exactly what way it's going to go, but. Um, yeah, I would agree with you. I do think that it costs a considerable amount of resources to really police that. And so what I think is governments would just put extreme penalties on if they do catch you and then make examples out of their citizens, like the ones that are maybe the biggest um, tax evaders or whatever, mm -hmm. like put them in jail for life or something. I, I don't know. It could be very ex extreme. And so they'll make it very risky if you do get caught. It's but I don't know if, if the technology and privacy gets good enough. Um, then I think if you lower, the, lower the risk to the individual, then there's a really good chance that, um, people just ignore what they say. Hmm. Well, government certainly can be a coercive entity. Uh, we've seen that with money. We've seen that with health. We've seen that with all sorts of things. Um, uh, so, so I'm hearing what you have to say, certainly. Um, I guess if I can say one ray of light here, that an empire, I will use that language, you didn't specifically say it, um, does an empire ever voluntarily recede? I could say perhaps the British empire did, uh, and then the American empire rose in its stead, um, but that was also part of a silver standard going wrong. So the money does bring, bring big things down, and if our money goes bad, I have to wonder if for the sake of survival, uh, we would dial things back and maybe become more reasonable out of necessity. Um, but I could see it. It's a, it's a coin toss, whether you're in extreme tyranny or maybe a more benevolent uh, system due to the fact that you don't have another option um, to maybe dial things back more gently. Mm -hmm. But to be seen, to be mm -hmm. seen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Any thoughts? This is unscripted, <laughs> but we're talking about money global commerce, uh, prospects for the future, decentralization. We've talked about Bitcoin. We've talked about Litecoin. Of course, the third in that triad, if you ask me, or Indigo would be Dogecoin. Any thoughts of what would be referred to as a Nakamoto standard, which would be a decentralized digital currency based upon Nakamoto protocols in the absence of state? Yeah. Yeah. Uh I've always just thought of them as, and this is like actually coined by Eric Voskel, but I agree. Uh, I think um, Bitcoin 
anything that shares Bitcoin's fundamental like security model and properties, um, you can call it whatever you want, Nakamoto standard or just a Bitcoin. Um, yeah, they're all in like the same family tree or whatever you want to call it. They're, they're doing the same thing. Um, and so inevitably, I think you could see, yeah, this whole family line of chains, you call like Bitcoin one, Bitcoin two, Bitcoin three, or Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin that become monetized over time. And then inevitably, like what you would see is just this arbitrage where people buy different levels of security, depending on, you know, what they need, right? They're going to maximize the value they get or buy the least amount of security they need for their transaction. And I could like foresee a, a potential where you just have an app with this list of Bitcoin chains um, where people don't even really know what they're using. They're just selecting on a slider like, okay, I want this level of security and I'm willing to pay this price um, to get my transaction processed. Um, and they wouldn't even probably know what currency they're actually using mm. because I think long-term these, these uh, currencies will be more stable in price purchasing power than others um just like today you could probably go to europe and or another another country and people wouldn't care whether they accept euros or dollars or yen um it's all the same to me they just they know they're getting money maybe mentally they calculate it in dollars and say oh i got this many dollars of euros but i don't think people will really care like merchants what they're paid in, whether it's Bitcoin, Litecoin, or Dogecoin, mm -hmm. um, as long as they get the price that they're asking for. Um, and so really, it'll just be about uh, um, whatever they're, they're willing to pay for uh, a specific security level. But to me, yeah, like long-term, these Nakamoto coins will, uh, will all kind of work together. Indeed, indeed. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, you remind me a little bit of David Burkett in episode one. Uh, he's not a fan of Doge, so I don't want to put that in his mouth. But the idea that we'll get to a point of a user experience where you want, like you said, you won't really know what you're sending. You just know it's denominated in the local currency and it's being transacted and then it's settled. Um, and I'll also add just in terms of our history in the United States or America, I'll say the American Republic's you know, we, we, we didn't always have a Fed. Some of us in our community take that for granted that everybody knows it. Not everybody may know. We've only had a central bank since 1913, um, 110 years ago. And we had two prior to that, which were on charters and they were expired. And anyway, go look them up. Um, but in the and, and the, the treasury could mint coinage and constitutionally gold and silver was considered um, the, the de jure currency of, of, of the country. Um, but all sorts of other metals circulated here. Nobody cared. The point was you gave me an ounce of, of silver, an ounce of gold, or a tenth of an ounce or whatever it was. They didn't care if it came from Spain. They didn't care if the, the, the King of England was on it. It didn't matter. The point is they were, they were getting paid. Uh, and I think we could see something like that as well. Um, let's pivot, if we could, to maybe some more current events with Litecoin. And then I'll go into some maybe a final section where we can talk about some of your tweets. Does that sound good with you? Sounds perfect. All right. Very good. So um, what excites you? We were talking more of a, <laughs> again, I'll say it wasn't very, uh, how do I say it? Not the most optimistic conversation. It might be realistic, but not the most uh, 
fuzzy feeling, uh, you know, when we're talking about hyperinflation, government tyranny, uh, the total state, et cetera. Um, so maybe we can bring it back and talk just about more of the uh, mm-hmm. pop uh, with Litecoin and Bitcoin mm-hmm. right now, which I would say would be LTC20 tokens and ordinals. What's your thoughts on on these new kind of uh, up and coming um, first chain modifications on Litecoin or on chain layer one modifications on Litecoin? It is pretty exciting to me um, for a lot of different reasons. Like one, every bull market cycle, we've had some type of speculation on um, on a chain. Mainly it was through Ethereum and ERC-20 tokens, ICOs, IDOs, and then there were like decentralized exchange type things on Ethereum. And then we had so much demand for Ethereum type Ponzi's, I, I would call them, that we had all these other plat- platforms that could launch tokens like uh, Solana and um, Avalanche and all these other various like Ethereum smart contract quote unquote platforms. Um, but now it's finally like actually happening on Bitcoin and Litecoin. And so <clears throat> to me, one, like what's bringing all this speculation is kind of a reversal in central bank liquidity. So we've seen like a, a rekindling of, of quantitative easing, even though they're not calling it that. But every mm-hmm. time we have like increase in central bank balance sheets, it seems like you draw in more speculative activity. And what's exciting is that it's finally happening on on Litecoin and Bitcoin. Um, and so I think probably if we do end up seeing bullish price price action like continuing for Bitcoin, that you'll see even more crazy speculative demand for Bitcoin ordinals and that'll push up fees really high and then you'll see a, a huge huge rush to use the same type of um ordinal stuff happening on, happening on litecoin so that's exciting because if you're a litecoin holder that means you know price can can go kind of crazy and perform almost like what we saw in the 2021 cycle with those uh smart contract platforms um and then two what's also exciting is that if we do see um, bullish price action here, it's it's the first time we've ever had a bull market uh, while Litecoin is about to, to have a halving event. Um, so there's a lot of narratives that can really push Litecoin price up in the short run, um, which is exciting. Um, but as far as like specific, um, use cases for ordinals i don't know enough about them to really have an opinion um to me it looks like just random speculation uh similar to the icos and um random smart contract things people were doing in 2021 i don't think to me it's hard to believe there's a lot of substance there Uh, maybe there is but i mean how many how many like actual innovations have we seen that are actually making a difference for humanity since the launch of i don't know uh ethereum in 2014 like what really has solved some fundamental issues um that's like really making an impact i I don't even know if there are any um so to me it just this seems like more of the same um speculative type activity a new iteration of hype um it's interesting but that is part of the (laughs) 
the market. And uh, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I was talking um, again with David Burkett in episode one, where I'm just like, man, if you just scroll through some of these um, <laughs> ordinal inscriptions, I mean, it, it's depressing what's being minted. And, um, but again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, in those markets. So, you know, what, what do I have to do, to do with it? Right. It's going on despite me. Yep. Um, and yeah. it is benefiting miners. Um, it's benefiting uh, Litecoin. Um, Luke on our mm-hmm. previous episode, he was saying, we're seeing, you know, bull market levels of, uh, new addresses and activity. And again, as you stated earlier in this conversation, uh, the Litecoin number of new addresses surpassed Bitcoin. Um, you know, and this is in a bear market. So what happens when it's a bull again, you know? Um, so I think it's, it actually is benefiting Litecoin in terms of just the number yeah. go up theory, you know, over time. It's just, yep. it's yeah. being utilized, you know, Litecoin now mm-hmm. has further use cases and, uh, you know, silver, we used it as money. I actually tweeted this earlier today. Silver was used as money. I like to think of silver as money, but weren't there like, you know, cutlery on kitchen tables and uh, you can use it as a oral throat spray or, you know, uh, basically sterilize your medical equipment. There's lots of other uses for it, electronics. Um, so we can kind of have a Swiss Army knife uh, situation with Litecoin as we've had mm-hmm. for the multi-purpose uses of silver or gold. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely helping uh, LCC price action and everyone in the Litecoin community. If price goes up, you'll get a lot more followers and help you monetize <laughs> content. It's like it helps everyone, at least in the short run, um, and it gets Litecoin's name out there. I don't, I don't know long term if that helps, but. Mm-hmm. But no, it's that's it does excite me because we're all obviously I think most of us are speculating on the chain. And mm-hmm. so it's cool to see adoption and like people utilizing it in different ways. Um, but as far as like actual substance goes and long term value creation, maybe, maybe, but I don't know, like just I'm always skeptical and uh, you could say I'm negatively biased against these things but mm-hmm. i try to be realistic i think mweb was a definitely a leap forward uh for litecoin yep. and if you consider um actually master tweeted this out earlier today after the sailor interview saying that the block size should never change on bitcoin and it would be a moral issue because it you know it's disadvantage uh, to the miners and <laughs> anyway i don't see mm-hmm. bitcoin adopting an extension block like Litecoin did. Um, you know, I don't see MWeb type technology going to Bitcoin. Uh, so, but we have it. And um, I do think adding that fungible, more private layer is, is pretty neat. And I think that is a leap forward. No, it's not perfect privacy. It is not Monero. But I think it's a, a functional mm-hmm. form of, of privacy, confidentiality that works. And um, so I think that yeah. actually was a pretty huge accomplishment in the past year for Litecoin. For sure. Yeah, hundred percent. I I agree. I think privacy is the main, the like the biggest issue in Bitcoin right now, and Litecoin. Even though it's not perfect privacy, but it's yeah, it's a step in the right direction. And so yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. That didn't affect price at all, and hasn't gotten no, really any adoption. Didn't. But there's, <laughs> but again, like the reason for that is that we're still in the casino phase. So. Like eventually there will be adoption when you need privacy. Nobody really needs privacy right now. Yeah. Um, 
because they're not trying to break laws. But the laws that we're inevitably going to have to break if you want to use Bitcoin and avoid inflation tax, um, like there will be new laws passed where you will have to utilize privacy technology, but the market doesn't need it right now. I think it's good to prepare though and develop these technologies as much as you can before we actually need them. Hmm. Um, it's like you don't want to get to the the game right if you're an athlete or something and be totally unprepared haven't worked out in years and then you try to you know compete at the highest level and you like you need to be prepared for when the the time is to actually show up and um use these for their intended purposes yeah yeah another thing would be uh mobile adoption too a lot of people aren't really well i don't want to say a lot of people you can look up the statistics um but many people find it more convenient to, you know, transact with, uh, you know, their smartphone or whatever. And currently there's no MWeb mm -hmm. on any mobile wallets. And mm -hmm. I would think that would be a terrific, um, you know, future, uh, you know, development for the community, whether it's uh, the Light Wallet or Cake Wallet. I think it would make a uh, special sense for the Cake Wallet to do it because they integrate Monero. So if you wanted to kind of do the private, semi-private chain, you know, why not do it there? Um, but we will see mobile adoption coming for, for MWeb. I know David Burke has been working on it and publishing things along those lines. We just have to see it done. Um, but that's another thing. Uh, what's your thought? This is totally out of, out of left, uh, left field right now. But in terms of mobile use, um, I've heard critics mm -hmm. in the past say we shouldn't be using these devices, which are very weak in terms of security, to do transactions. You know, it is better to use uh, now. Granted, we just had a ledger situation just within the past few days uh, with a cold storage wallet, which uh, there's issue with keys and things like that and backups that that's come out. And I didn't read a whole lot into it. I don't I don't use it. But uh, what's your opinion on using, let's say, a computer that's des uh, dedicated to cryptocurrency, um, and nothing else versus, you know, your cell phone, which has your GPS, Instagram, Facebook, all of your uh, cross-pollinated permissions and everything else, security-wise, and I don't expect you to be a security expert, but can you give us any idea on on uh, on that sort of uh, uh, the question? Can you can you address that question? Yeah, my opinion on security is really like use whatever whatever level of security um, you think you need, and it's it's really up to the individual and like personal preference, like. If you live in a safe neighborhood and you're not worried about any threats, um, do you need to put gates around your house or, or lock your door? I don't know, maybe not. But if you live in a um, different environment where there's break-ins, maybe you have to you know, add different levels of security. So for me, I don't care what people use. I don't think it's like necessary all the time to just use desktop computers. I think it really depends on like what you're trying to secure against. Mm -hmm. um, and the level of privacy you as an individual want to have, um, there's better tools than others. Um, but to me, it's like ultimately up to whatever the individual wants to do. I think um, if your goal is to be perfectly private and, and anonymous and have max level of security, you probably don't want to use those uh, mobile devices, but most people don't care actually, I that's, think. like the, That's a fair the, statement. Um, they might care. care in the future though. And so, so you may, we may need to educate people on why they may want to use higher levels of security and maintain better privacy just in case of, 
you know, the future where I think we're heading. Maybe you don't want the government to have perfect knowledge of all the assets that you own. And so maybe it's smart to um, secure them in a way to have privacy just in case. Like, I would say it is kind of dumb to um, be careless about privacy um, now because you just don't think you need it ever. And then in the future, like, oh, crap, I wish I would have done a better job at maintaining privacy. Now everyone knows everything I have. Um, it's, it, it reminds me a lot of like um, social media where people would put pictures or things online and like, I don't care, anyone can see it. But then in the future, they go to like apply for a job and they don't get it because yeah, they had, I don't know, a bunch of photos that didn't look too appealing. Um, it's it's kind of like that scenario. Voluntary that's the best surveillance. Analogy, but... Yeah, voluntary surveillance. Yeah, it's voluntary. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, very good. Let's let's move it to some tweets. Um, this was from May tenth. Um, All time high by July. Okay, and another tweet to kind of <laughs> to tie into this one. Uh, the longer we consolidate, the bigger the move. Just a reminder that Litecoin has been consolidating since 2017. So unpack those two tweets mm -hmm. for us. All right. So sometimes I, um, I'm not the most serious on Twitter, although I, there's like underlying points where I actually, I actually do think this is possible. Um, so yeah, one, we've been consolidating since 2017. So like in 2017, we had that run from like $4 to 400. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of consolidated sideways, like, basically retested the all-time high in may of 2021 but there weren't really very many you know narratives or um reasons around litecoin for it to actually break all-time highs all the speculation was happening in avalanche solana uh, you know like all these tokens on ftx like the the whole market was positioned on kind of like the proof of stake side of things um but now if you look at like the technicals, Litecoin's been one of the best producing assets um, over the last six months. Um, you look at the 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 having coming up in August and it's kind of historical price action with respect to what happened during previous halvings. Um, you've seen quite a bit of uh, price gains. And so you have all of these uh, narratives aligning along with, I think, macro conditions. So basically a reversal in, in course by central banks to not hike interest rates as much as the market originally expected them to, to kind of reverse course on quantitative tightening after these regional bank failures and start QE all over again. Um, all of these things uh, point uh, to, for my opinion, just rapid price appreciation in a short amount of time. Um, so that's why I was making those tweets. Uh, I don't know for sure. It's all speculation, but it just seems like it's the perfect storm for for LTC specifically to finally do really well. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Do you have any ballpark um, where you think it may land? Um, it kind of depends. Like, honestly, I think if Bitcoin continues up here. Um, and, and uh, like breaks this $30,000 level and proceeds to all-time highs, I think 
Um, if you look at the LTC BTC pair, it, it looks like a similar setup to the Doge BTC pair. It's just on an extended timeline. So Dogecoin had like a, almost like a hundred X, I think like 70 X move against Bitcoin in 2021. Um, and I think Litecoin can do something similar and um, maybe not to that extent because it's slightly higher market cap, but I think we can break all time highs in the LTC BTC pair, just given the fact that fees already went to $30 and we haven't even seen a bullish trend. And if, we're, if this next round of speculation is all going to happen on the ordinal side of things, which mm. to me seems likely, then yeah, you could see a, a move similar to Dogecoin for Litecoin in the next six months. Yeah, Litecoin is really uh, the one larger, more established cryptocurrency uh, that hasn't done a move like this. Um, Ethereum yeah. did. And I think Ethereum will continue to probably do well. I mean, I guess the SEC could really make some statements and, you know, uh, meddle with things. Um, but uh, with that aside, um, you know, Bitcoin saw an all-time high. Ethereum already did. I mean, we had an all-time high too, of course. What was around 400, just over 400. But in the last cycle, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I would agree that, especially with with the ordinal situation and just the increased activity on Litecoin, um, something certainly could be setting up. And I don't, I don't put numbers out there. I thought we'd see an all-time high. Mm -hmm. I want to say in the 2021 end of year, and it never happened, mm -hmm. uh, which was weird. Yeah. Um, that was the whole. Yeah, that was a weird year. Um, so then I've just kind of been more mum since then. But um, I still believe over time it's. It's inevitable. I think Litecoin is inevitable, and um, Bitcoin is inevitable. Um, but of course, I favor I favor Litecoin um, between the two. And um, Doge, I think, is is fascinating as well. And I, I I've considered it more seriously uh, in the past year or two uh, versus uh, prior to that. But um, anyway, I digress. Mm -hmm. um, another another tweet, if I could. Um, again, we're. we're I'm curious. Uh, this is a curious tweet. Crypto begins when companies like Coinbase end March 20th. Yeah, th that was just in reference to basically what we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. like the transition from um, white market casino speculation, which I think all these exchange platforms really are, are just casinos to actual monetization of crypto. And so I say the word crypto begins because to me, crypto's main purpose was, uh, you know, as a separation of, of money and state, a reaction to bailouts. Um, so if that's the intended purpose, we're yet to see that even to the most minimal extent. So I think these white market businesses, like these exchanges will get regulated out of existence. And if the real, if you really believe that Bitcoin's core value proposition is to combat censorship and taxation in the money, um, then Coinbase isn't going to be the place you're going to do that on. Um, and so there's not going to be any use case for Coinbase outside of speculation. And if that era is ending, then those exchanges will die, in my opinion. I think they'll all get regulated out of existence. In the United States or so, in other jurisdictions as well? I think in all major western countries uh yeah i 
I, I think all governments go the same route. I don't think the U.S. is much different from, I mean, I think the U.S. is a little more strict and in, in rules for uh, financial transactions and banking, but I think that's primarily because we have the world reserve currency. Um, but they're all pretty similar, nonetheless. They all have the same central bank model. They are doing the same central bank policies. Um, and so I think the responses will be kind of unanimous and in tandem. I, I honestly think the, a lot of these countries coordinate, like the you know, G7, I, the International Monetary Fund. I think they have shared interests. Um, and so I think they'll kind of coordinate these things together um, with the issuance of CBDCs and outlawing uh, you know, illegal or making making certain types of transactions illegal. I think it'll all be the same in most developed countries. Very good, very good. Did you want to uh, add anything else to this this uh, idea? Um, not really. I think we pretty much covered pretty much covered it. Okay, very good, very good. We'll, we'll land the plane here. Before we go, I will say um, the Litecoin Coffee Club, litecoincoffeeclub.com, also available at the 84 million shop. Uh, roasting day was yesterday. So uh, we will soon have our second batch of 100% Honduras, which is a specialty coffee, single, single origin from, of course, Honduras, and our friends House Roots Coffee, um, uh, they're our roaster. And Jimmy Lee will be taking payment in Litecoin for all of the bags that we have secured. Um, batch one did very well. We have batch two available. Thank you to those who have already ordered it. Um, please see litecoincoffeeclub.com or again, go to the 84million.com uh, shop uh, to check that out. And why Litecoin? Since you're on the show, I'll be glad to give you a bag. However, <laughs> we'll deal with the uh, details offline and I'd be fine for you to designate awesome. it to somebody else if you're not comfortable revealing uh, personals in terms of addresses. But um, I'm excited about it. We've had a, a pretty good reception with bat one, batch one, and I'm glad to say that batch two is is nearly here. So um, with that said, we'll land the plane. Um, y Litecoin, thank you for coming on the show. Again, find Y Litecoin at twitter.com slash W Litecoin. And any closing thoughts that you may want to share, the floor is yours. Well, thanks so much for for having me on. I appreciate it. I've, I've spent a long time away from the Twitter sphere and I'm finally getting back into thinking about these things again. My, uh, my subject matter knowledge is probably a little rusty just because my brain's been focused so much on other things in the last, I feel like last nine months. Um, but no, I really appreciate you uh, doing this. And honestly, I, I think you and Grant and other Litecoin community educators will get a lot more volume coming in, especially if price starts doing well. So I think it's good that you're, you started doing this when you did, um, because I think there's going to be a lot of demand for educational content on, on, on LTC going forward, if we're right about price inevitably going, going up. So yeah, best of luck. And thanks. Um, thanks for having me on. 
Well, thank you for coming. And of course, we're grateful for Grant and the other folks in the community. I, I, I echo that and I look forward to see who we continue to have on the show. Um, and uh, maybe we'll, having you, we'll be having you back in the future. I think that would be great uh, as well. So anyway, folks, thanks for tuning in to episode five on the 84 Million Podcast. We are uh, glad to be here providing whatever education we can about uh, Litecoin, highlighting folks in the Litecoin community, uh, developers in the community. Um, uh, we're just glad to have this resource. And we hope that these are standalone evergreen episodes that can be of help to you, whether you're tuning in on a published date or in the future. So anyway, check us out at 84million.com. Again, if you want to find the 84 million podcast, go to 84million.com slash podcast. You can see some of the latest videos. You can stream directly on the page and you can find us um, on Spotify, um, who else? Amazon, um, Apple, all the major ones, they're there. Again, there, I believe there's 13 of them. And on that event, um, sorry, the uh, podcast page, you can find all of them. So whichever uh, platform you wish to subscribe, please find them there. And with that, we'll, 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 uh, we'll let this one go and uh, see you guys next time. <laughs>